is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackley, but it is Wednesday, July 14th. And we are absolutely rolling on. And yes, you are going to get a couple weekend editions of The Rant this week so we can make sure we get through all of these team previews because fantasy football draft season is here. And we got bigger and better things to talk about. But I do want to set the stage, so that is the logic behind doing this. And we're deep diving on every single team. Today, we got the Philadelphia Eagles for you, or as my Philly friends call them, the Eagles. Talking some cheesesteaks, all right? Pretzels, Wawa, hoagies on the show today. Uh, just a reminder, we do have a contest going on. It's really easy to enter. All you have to do is review the show on Apple Podcasts and rate the show. And in your review, leave your Twitter handle and you're entered in to win a rant t-shirt. Gotta like that. Gotta like free. I like free t-shirts and the t-shirt's pretty sharp. Not gonna lie there. So appreciate everybody's help there. And also, just a reminder that the game plan is live. The 2021 edition of the Fantasy Football Game Plan. That is the Draft Guide magazine that I write It's a PDF that you can download over at ftnfantasy.com. And if you are listening to this on Wednesday, well, there's still time to get in on the promo code RATPACK for 20% off. Uh, That's not going to last very long. But get yourself 20% off on our draft kit, or if you want to sign up for the entire season, the Platinum Package as well. Good stuff over there at ftnfantasy.com. Plus, you can check out my tiers articles because they're up and they're free if you just want to Dip your toe in the water, see what we have to offer. Those bad boys are free over there. So go check those out as well. So let's dive into Philadelphia. Obviously, last year didn't go very well. And that was a a really quick flame out for Doug Peterson. You know, you had the Andy Reid era lasted forever, and the Eagles were sort of annual playoff contenders potential uh, uh, NFC Championship contenders. I mean, they made it to the NFC Championship game multiple years. They only made it to the Super Bowl once under Andy Reid. But they made it once under Doug Peterson as well. And, of course, they won that game. And then since then, they really, I mean, it was like a slow and steady decline. And then last year, a rapid decline, right? Carson Wentz was a disaster. The offensive line was a disaster. The defense was fine. I don't really, I didn't really hate the defense, but offensively, they couldn't generate a whole heck of a lot. And so, of course, Peterson is gone. Wentz is gone. Sirianni is in, coming from where Wentz went in Indy, former offensive coordinator there. So we do have a little bit of a sense of what to expect which actually is interesting because I don't think it's going to be a really dramatic departure from what we saw under Peterson. However, without Wentz under center, you do have Jalen Hurts. Now that that changes what you're going to do. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a, a terrible passing quarterback. He's not to me. He's not uh, just a running quarterback, although he is immediately one of the better running quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't think that's getting ahead of ourselves. We know what he was capable of at the college level. This dude was a Heisman contender for that reason, but he also showed, especially once he transferred to Oklahoma, he can spend it a little bit too. You're going to have to design the offense around him, which it sounds like that's what Philly is going to do this year. So there is a lot of intrigue. And there is a lot of fantasy football potential, especially when you look at my projections. So I'm projecting this dude to run the ball almost 150 times, 144 rushing attempts, 700 rushing yards, five rushing scores. That alone, even if Hertz is somewhat of a moderate 
disappointment as a passer. I don't want to say disaster because if he's a disaster, then Joe Flacco will end up being the starter, and I don't think any of us want that. Maybe Joe Flacco does. If you're listening, Joe, I'm sorry. But even if he's a disappointment as a passer, that floor with 700 rushing yards, that is absolutely enormous. You know, think about it, and I always go back to this this comparison, but every 40 rushing yards is the same amount of fantasy points as a passing touchdown. Well, this 700 rushing yards is the same amount of fantasy points as 17 and a half touchdowns, plus add in the extra 30 points for the five rushing scores I haven't projected at, and now we're cooking with gas. Right off the bat, we got a floor. Now, the ceiling is relatively high as well for him because of the potential passing yardage. I have him just over 4,000 yards. Now, not a big passing touchdown year, but why I have him so high is he does have weapons who are very capable after catch. Devontae Smith can do that. Jalen Rager can do that. Dallas Goddard can do that as your tight end. So he's going to get helped out a little bit by his receiving core as well. Hertz is super volatile, but I just took a shot on him in this Scott Fishbowl draft because he fell outside of the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks drafted. I have him well inside that. I have him at nine right now, and he projects out even slightly better than that, but I'm moving him down just slightly because the floor is a little bit lower on him in my rankings, but still, that's pretty bullish. Now, he's very, very risky. So if I drafted... If I drafted most guys inside my top 10, like say I drafted Russell Wilson, got him at a half-decent value, maybe he falls in a draft, I grab him. I'm not drafting a backup if I draft Russell Wilson. If I draft Jalen Hurts, you best believe I'm drafting a backup, and that backup is very unlikely going to be one of those high-ceiling upside guys, as I call them. You know, even the Joe Burrows of the world, not doing that. I would very likely be taking somebody a lot safer and, and somebody in the late rounds. I'm not saying draft Hurts and then, like, you know, Tom Brady the next round. I don't, I don't want to do that. But Hurts and somebody who I think can get me by if, if Hurts falls flat on his face. Matt Ryan, I don't love it, but he'll get me by. Uh, Kirk Cousins, don't love it, but he'll get me by. And then, then, then I can work the waiver wire, hopefully, and find, you know, this year's Justin Herbert. I know easier said than done, but you have to have you know, the chess moves in place, not just the checkers moves. All right, so I mentioned briefly his receiving core. Let's come back after the break and let's talk about these very interesting Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers. Again, last year was a disaster, so I'm not going to draw anything from last year in evaluating Jalen Rager. It was a disaster. Carson Wentz literally for a good chunk of the season, could not find an open receiver if they were right in front of him. He couldn't find them. So I'm going to kind of give that as a red shirt year. So when you're looking at this wide receiver group, you have Rager, but of course you also have reigning Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith, who, let's be honest, put just put together one of the best receiver seasons in NCAA history. So darn impressive. But as is widely noted is also on the thin side, the Slim Reaper, as Lane Johnson is calling him. So you have those two. You could have Greg Ward out there. You could have a little bit of Travis Fulgham. Maybe some of the deeper names, Quez Watkins. Arthega Whiteside's still on this roster as well, but nobody expects anything out of him. 
So I do think it really comes down to Smith and Rager. And these are going to be the guys who are primarily on the field. You have a really dynamic duo. Rager, obviously, sort of the opposite of Smith in that he is not a little, like, he's not a tall receiver, but he is well-built. But you're going to be able to do some different things. If I had to divide the targets up, though, I'm going to go Smith with more targets. I'm at 100 right now, 62 catches for 955 and six scores. 87 targets for Rager, 53 catches for 720 and three scores. So that puts Smith as almost a wide receiver three, by the way, knocking on the door of wide receiver three territory, wide receiver 40 in my rankings. Rager, more of a wide receiver five type, but gives you a little bit of upside. So if Hurt hits, Rager is going to be viable in in various weeks throughout the season, though I don't think, I think it's going to be a little bit more boomer bust. I'll say that. I don't think he's going to be the most consistent. But draftable, very draftable. None of the other receivers are draftable, but if you know, I had to pick one of these guys, plus the fact I didn't even mention Hertz and Smith were college teammates, and that definitely helps. I'm not going to say, oh, that's the reason to draft him, but it definitely helps. So I mentioned Dallas Goddard. As of right now, Zach Ertz is still on this roster, but the torch has been passed. Dallas Goddard is the primary pass-catching tight end. 91 targets for him projected, 63 for 751 and four scores. That's a top 10 fantasy tight end right there. He is not a three for 32 guy. He is certainly better than a four for 44 guy. The touchdown upside's the one thing that kind of drags him down just a little bit, but that's a knock on most tight ends. However, I will say this. Right now, I do have Ertz at 71 targets. If Ertz is somehow traded before the season, Dallas Goddard is a triple-digit target guy. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to give him all of Zach Ertz's targets because you'd likely see either Jason Kroom or Caleb Wilson step into a bigger role where they, you know, I have each of them projected at five targets. They would be more like, one of them would probably be like a 30 to 40 target guy. So if you take those available targets, split them up between the three of them, Goddard goes up to like 110. You know, he gets another 20 targets. That puts him now, he's not in the big three elite category, but now he's he is legitimately in that TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews tier, where right now I have him just outside of that. So we'll see what happens with Ertz. Philly wants him out. Ertz kind of wants out, but they need to get a partner in order to get a trade done. So the backfield's going to be different with Nick Sirianni in place. Here's what we know. Coming from Indianapolis, the Colts used, and this is not just this this past year, but the, even the year before, they're going to use a primary early down back and then a different passing down back. So it was Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor in the early downs. They would get some reception, sure, but then you'd have uh, Naeem Hines in passing downs. From the looks of things, Philly is going to replicate some of that here in Philadelphia because Miles Sanders certainly suited to an early down role, somewhat suspect in the passing game. I think he could still be right there among the leaders and targets in his backfield, and I currently am projecting him as such, but they drafted Kenny Gainwell. Gainwell is not a between-the-tackles runner. In fact, he's kind of a Theo Riddick clone in some ways where he could be a really good passing down option in the NFL, which you think about it, Theo Riddick, he's along the same lines as a Naeem Hines or a Tariq Cohen or guys like that. Chris Thompson, there's so many of those guys. James White, so many of those guys. Gainwell could be that for Philadelphia, which means that takes work off of Sanders' plate 
and you know really puts a cap on his ceiling. Now, I don't think that maybe happens right away. We could see some carry on Johnson as well in passing downs. We could still see some Boston Scott. But eventually, it seems like that's kind of the 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 direction they're angling towards with Gainwell. If he's able to hit. And I think he was kind of a value, really, on day two where they picked him, by the way. Gainwell won't be a fantasy option. Dynasty leagues, yes. Hold. If you drafted him, hold. Right? But Sanders... He's got a cap. He's got a cap. So right now, where once we may have thought of Sanders as a potential RB1, uh, right now it's looking like Sanders is really more of an RB2, ranking at 18 for me. 222 carries, which is solid, just over 1,000 rushing yards, six rushing scores. I do have him at 41 catches, which maybe is a little optimistic, 342 and a receiving score there. But you add that all up, that's 263 touches. You're an RB1, you really got to be approaching 300 touches. You got to be close to 300 touches, if not over 300 touches. Volume is the name of the game when it comes to running back fantasy production. It really is. And so if you're not seeing that volume, it's going to be tough to produce those numbers. So Sanders, he's going to fall. You might actually even see him in the third round of some fantasy drafts this year, 12-team leagues. I don't hate it, especially if you if you grab a running back in the first round and you get a pretty high end wide out in the second round. I don't hate Sanders in the third round, but just realize that he does come with a value cap uh, there. So there you go. The Philadelphia Eagles in the hopper up next to Pittsburgh Steelers. I am not going to attempt to do a Pittsburgh accent. I don't have that one in the wheelhouse. But that'll be tomorrow on the podcast. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram, hashtag Ratpack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. FTNFantasy.com. Go check out the tiers articles and make sure you check out the 2021 fantasy football game plan. It's got my draft board, baby. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.